Hello, and thanks for listening with us today. We are the Beach Church. We are real people trying to show real love from a real God. We hope that you enjoy this podcast and that you continue to stay with us. We are encouraged by everyone who listens. We hope that you are blessed today by everything that we talk about. See you guys. Take care. Yeah, we're so thankful for, for God sparing Gigi and for Aubrey, and I was incredibly proud of uh, Elsa and Carlos and, and just um, all the whole family, Magdali, uh, Marco, uh, just all of them have stepped up and done such an incredible job of taking care of, of Gigi and, and, and loving on her during this season. She's been an incredible trooper. The fact that she's here today with us is phenomenal when you when you saw, the, if you saw the scene, and many of you actually drove by and saw her and didn't even know it was her. Like, I know I drove by and didn't even know it was her. Other people drove by, and then we get a phone call. She's been in an accident. It was a pretty, pretty crazy thing. And so we're very thankful that God spared her and wanted to give her an opportunity to testify to God's goodness. So, yeah, amen. You're good. Go away. Love you. <laughs> also want uh, to, to thank uh, Bear and Heather. Uh, they recently started a company. Uh, called uh, Do It, um, it what's, the, what's the official title, Bear? Do it home yeah, Do It Home Solutions, right? So uh, one of the things that they did, one of the first things they did when, they, when God put it in their heart for them to start uh, this uh, company uh, was to try and find a way of, of using it to, to bless the church. Um, and so they shared with us about wanting to help fix some things if we needed anything. And so I don't know if any of you noticed, but... Uh, when you, our furniture way, there was a little piece of flashing that had fallen down for a while. Um, you probably ignored it, but if you look up, it was like blood, rusty nails that you stand up and look, and it looked pretty ominous. When you walk in, you're like, what am I walking into right now? Uh, we're nice people. It's just, it looked like it was like a preventative, preventative measure of, of intruders, right? I don't want to walk into this creepy place. But anyway, it had been something that we had been wanting to fix for a long time, and so uh, Baron Heather uh, said that they were going to look at it, and give us a price on the materials list and everything like that to try and do that. But um, they, Bear, got, Bear texted me last week and said, hey, man, we're going to come out Saturday and work on it. Um, you know, I asked him what the material cost was and all that. He was just like, oh, don't worry about it. We'll take care of it. And, and he just, they just wanted to bless the church. And so I just think they did a fabulous job uh, fixing it. It looks so good. Uh, many of you saw the before and after pictures up there. Uh, it's just awesome uh, that they were able to do that. And I'm so thankful to see God blessing them in there. In their business. They're getting uh, so many opportunities to, to, to help people uh, finish jobs, uh, do new jobs uh, around their houses. And so I'm very thankful for them. And I wanted to at least recognize them for their efforts in doing that because it's a great blessing uh, to be able to see that. And so can we just uh, thank them for doing that? Yeah. Amen. Amen. Appreciate them and all of you for your faithfulness uh, to the Lord. There's so many opportunities that you, you all give and that you donate time. And so uh, we're so thankful for that. It's part of what makes uh, us uh, a group of people that are healthy uh, together. Uh, and so we're thankful for that. <clears throat> I want to continue to get into our study today. Uh, today is Father's Day. It's a day where we honor uh, men and, and those who have been mentors to us. And so, you know, I see in the room fathers. I see mentors. I see teachers. I see people who have been influences. I see peers that are that hold themselves in a way that can encourage others. And so uh, I think it's a great day for us to, to, to ponder those truths. As we focus in on dads, I also want us to think about 
uh, how God wants us as individuals to, to take advantage of those opportunities to, to grow and to help others. And so <clears throat> we're going to pray, and then I want us to get into uh, today talking about this concept of a, of a healthy home. And so many of you have been so faithful uh, in purchasing a book. Uh, all the proceeds for these books go towards us building churches in Peru. And so we've been able to do that, and we're so thankful uh, to be able to do that. And so <clears throat> if you haven't yet been able to purchase a book and you'd like to purchase a book, uh, we have some out in the foyer. It's $10 in person. If you wanted to order it on Amazon, whether through Kindle or if you, if you weren't with us and you're watching online and you wanted to order a hard copy book, it's $12.99 on Amazon just because we've got to pay the man a little something. But <clears throat> if you guys are here, you can, you can get it for $10. And again, all that goes towards building churches in Peru. And one of the benefits of having the book, even though we are going through it today uh, and throughout these weeks is that you have the assessments that are in the back that you can look at as well. And so uh, we want to get into uh, the topic today. And so uh, it's thinking about this that we want to look at uh, this concept. And so <clears throat> one of my favorite movies uh, that I have ever seen wasn't really necessarily a spiritual uh, movie, although it had some spiritual truths in it. So this is more like a practical movie that I I love, but it's got like some, some, some life lessons and some, some wonderful things in it, uh, is the movie uh, Nacho Libre. You guys ever seen Nacho Libre? It's one of my favorite movies. Um, and in the movie, it talks about um, a friar in the church, or a deacon in the church in Mexico, uh, and, and he portrays uh, the, what he does, right, and his dream of being a uh, a professional wrestler, right? A luchador, right? A, a professional wrestler. Well, one of his tasks uh, is a simple task: were to uh, get uh, the day-old cheeps, right? He called them the cheeps, the Lord's cheeps. He would get the chips, and then he would bring those to the orphanage, and they would help feed the children, right? And so, one of the uh, other characters in the movie with him, um, his Christian name was Stephen, uh, but he called him Eskeletor, right? Um, but he. Uh, he, when he was in his wild state in the streets, he attacked Ignacio uh, in the streets, Nacho, and he took the chips, and there's a phrase that he said in there where he was like, no, it's for the children, uh, and, and he took it and he ate the chips, and throughout the movie you see this progression with um, Stephen where he began to, by saying, I hate orphans, I hate all the orphans in the whole world, and, and you hear this discourse, but then he changes in the end by saying, I don't hate them anymore. I like them. And, and you see the Lord kind of work in his life in a, in a, in a series of ways. Uh, but the whole point of, of bringing that movie up is because the title of this chapter uh, that we're going through is, is called It's for the Children. Uh, and we look at uh, a very important component of this dynamic of us thinking about uh, training and mentoring and raising up those that have come uh, after us that will be there to help continue on uh, the truth and legacy. Uh, we want to look at that today because uh, it's for the children in our lives, right? So um, it's only fitting that we quote uh, Nacho Libre because you guys know we always have this, the, the slides in, in, in Spanish. And so one of the things that, that he would always say is, Niños! You know, he would, and so it's for the children, right? Now what is it? What is for the children? I think Proverbs 22, 6 challenges us with this notion of us understanding that whether it's in a mentor capacity, whether it's in a father role, father type role, whether it's in a teacher capacity, whether it's in uh, a mother role, whether it's in any kind of role of influence in someone's life, we have an opportunity biblically to 
to train them and to guide them. And so uh, Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train a child in the way that they should go, and when they are old, they will not turn from it. Now this verse often is just taken from a cursory level of teaching uh, a child to do what's right, um, but it actually emphasizes the value of dedicating and consecrating children early so that they may grow up and be responsible, moral, and God-fearing adults. That's one of the prayers that I pray for my children, that they will grow up to be responsible, moral, and God-fearing adults, that they will grow to love God and they will uh, develop a pattern and a lifestyle that will bring Him honor and glory. But if we just read Proverbs 22.6, we might miss out on some of the depth of what this verse is actually saying, because it goes much further than what we understand from a cursory study of the text. And so we're just going to briefly break down a few Hebrew words. Uh, I'm not going to have them on the screen, but I'm just going to reference them so we can, you can get a context of, if we were reading this in its original language, the depth of what uh, this verse would mean. And so uh, there's a verb here in Proverbs 22.6 where, where we get uh, the word train, and it's the word kanach. Uh, and it means to train or to dedicate. Now, by its nature, that may seem like just something that is there, but uh, when you think about the verb, it's used elsewhere uh, to refer to dedicating a house. Uh, and so when you think about the concept of somebody dedicating a house, uh, dedicating a place of worship, dedicating uh, something, it, it gets the sense of it being connected to uh, the process of consecrating something, the process of, of making something uh, isolated and secured, holy and consecrated, and dedicating it to the Lord, right? So it's not just about teaching something or teaching someone something, but the context is that it's, it's about consecration. It's about dedicating, right? So that's what that word is used elsewhere. It's also uh, used in a noun sense, uh, the word kanukah, which means dedication and consecration, uh, which is usually connected to when they would consecrate the altars, they'd consecrate the temple, they'd consecrate the walls of the city, all these things that you see in Scripture, uh, these, these words are being connected. So that same phrase that we use to train a child is the same phrase being used to consecrate a house, to consecrate the temple, to consecrate walls, to consecrate everything. It's also the same word that's used to describe uh, a trained, tried, and experienced person. It's the word kanik. Uh, in Genesis 14, it describes men who were trained, <clears throat> who were dedicated, and who were experts in their ability to uh, do what they needed to do. Uh, and so now you get a sense of something being not just dedicated in the sense that it's consecrated, but it is effective in the fact that it is trained, it is, it is skilled, it is developed in this way. And so these are important truths because this connects us to this reality, that this verse is more than just connecting to uh, say good things, show them the way, but it's more about a fundamental dedication to train and to lead and to guide. There are some other instances and languages where we see uh, in the Aramaic it says to train. In Ethiopic it's to initiate. In other later Arabic languages it means to learn or to make experience. And so <clears throat> what you get here in this Proverbs is a, is a picture of a child who is being dedicated by their parents. That they are going to, to train this child 
They are going to love this child. They are going to guide this child so that when the child reaches the age where they can choose what they want to do, uh, that they will not turn from it because they have been dedicated, consecrated, and their lives have been committed to doing that. Uh, That's the notion that we see in the Bible where you would see someone uh, who uh, would, when they had a child, they would take the child to the temple on the eighth day. They would would consecrate the child. If it was a male, they they would circumcise the child. They would give it a name. They would... They would bring it into the, the, the relationship, and it would be officially into covenant relationship with God at that moment. It's the same principle that we see playing out in, in, the, in the New Testament where believers uh, would, would, would start to, to baptize their, their infants uh, because they wanted to consecrate them uh, and try to get them to, to, to be dedicated to the Lord during this moment. It's why we see uh, in our churches uh, today, we just had a baby dedication last week where we dedicated Lane to the Lord. And, and the whole notion of that is, is consecrating a child so that uh, you're committing to train them in the way that they need to go so that when they get to the age where they will make a decision on whether they want to believe in God or not, uh, they will have uh, been taught, been led, been trained in that so that they would not turn from that, but they would stay with it, right? It's a very fundamental truth that we see here. But it gives us an opportunity to connect to uh, some meaningful truths about why this matters. Why does it matter that teachers, mentors, parents, fathers, mothers, aunts, uncles, grandparents, guardians have an opportunity and a responsibility to train those who have gone, uh, who will come after them? It's because that is our responsibility. One of the fundamental truths that we see in the Bible is in Deuteronomy 6, the Shema, right? It means here. And that is a moment where God instructs His people to train their children, to let it be a part of their lives so that when they they go, wherever they go, it will be before their eyes and it will be a part of their lives. And that's an important truth that's not just in the context of Old Testament, but in the context of how we are called to be as New Covenant believers. We all have an opportunity to do that, and there are some practical points to that as well. And so this verse connects to a deeper commitment than just a simple hope, right? We're not just saying we hope that everything works out okay. We hope that they they will do what they do because uh, we tried to do our best. Uh, There's a depth to here where there is a resiliency on behalf of those who have consecrated uh, this child and, and dedicated this child to the Lord, that they will not let them uh, just be given away to their own desires and, and to evil, that they are holding fast to the fact that they have committed them to the Lord. And a lot of parents hold on to that, where you believe that God started something in this child, but you are waiting and hoping that one day they're going to turn it around. And God does. He's faithful to do that. And so, so many parents cling to that, knowing that even though it might seem uh, bleak and it might not be uh, necessarily what you want to see happening right now, but you believe that since you have dedicated and consecrated them and have given them to the Lord, that He is going to be faithful to draw them back uh, to Him and that He is going to open their eyes to see Him. And so that's a resiliency that we have to have. But as many parents, guardians, grandparents, mentors, teachers, anyone who is tasked with training young people uh, and training others, even if it's peers, connecting them, we all can agree that it can be difficult uh, to do that. It can be difficult to, to lead someone and to guide them because at times they may not want to go where you want them to go. If you've ever dealt with children, if you've ever dealt with anybody, you know that sometimes you will tell them to do something uh, and you one time just doesn't suffice. They, they, they like to hear it seven, ten times 
before it starts to kick in. And sometimes you have to, they, they only respond to certain decibel levels. Uh, and so, and so you, they may not even hear you until you start to raise your, your voice. And they're like, oh, okay, why do you say something? And you're like, I've been telling you for an hour to do this. Now I'm angry. And, and you start to, so we know it's difficult, right? And it could just, it's just not just with young kids. It could be adolescents in general or young adults, right? If you're tasked with, with mentoring young adults or teaching young adults or, or helping guide instructors or people who teach others, there's a level of education that comes with all of that where you begin to mentor and help others. And that can be difficult because people have to make a choice if they're going to follow what you say or if they're going to do their own thing. And so it can be difficult at times to do that. And I remember not wanting to do things at times that my parents and mentors told me to do. And when those moments occurred where I had to, to decide whether or not I wanted to do what they wanted to do, my parents and the mentors and the people that God had put in my life have always led me and guided me in the way that I should go. They were committed in that and they were faithful in that. There was a time in my life though, one time, where my mother allowed me to choose my path. And it led me down some dark times. I remember it was the summer of, I don't know, it's like in the 90s, right? Somewhere in 1990, right? It was, I was like nine years old. And uh, my cousins had um, all decided that they were going to buzz their hair, right? And so I wanted to be like my cousins. I didn't know then that my cousins weren't always the best examples. Um, the one cousin in particular that I was trying to, to, to kind of connect to, he's turned out okay. Uh, he, he's a good guy now. But, you know, he was a rascal when he was younger. But, but he had his buzz head, and it was all cool, right? Um, my mom was against me buzzing my hair because she knew something that I, as a, as a nine-year-old boy, did not know yet, that I did not have the face for a buzzed head, and that something happened to my face when I didn't have as much hair to fill in the, 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 the sides of my face and my hair. So when I, when I would buzz my hair, I didn't realize that my cheeks would swell. And that as a nine-year-old boy who was more growing this way than that way, it made my nice round head more pronounced. Um, and so she was trying to, to say, Look, I don't think it's a good idea for you to buzz your head, son. But I was resilient. Mom, I want to I do it. Everyone's doing it. So finally she was like, all right, you're gonna, we're, we're going to buzz your head. If that's what you want, we're going to do it. So nine years old, she buzzed it down. And then I realized why my mom didn't want me to do it. And I thought that was a great learning opportunity for me because I knew at that moment uh, and from that point on, I know one thing about this, that mother knows best. <laughs> because she knew that uh, that wasn't going to work out for me. And she used it as a lesson to teach me of why I can't always uh, make my decisions uh, based off what I think, that there are people in my life uh, who can help guide me in the ways that I should go. And I should look at that as a benefit. I shouldn't look at that as someone who's oppressive and someone's trying to hold me down, but I should look at it as someone who's trying to help guide me in the way that I should go. Now, we know that there are unhealthy examples of that. But in a biblically healthy environment, we see that being uh, a way of leading someone into paths of life and paths of righteousness. And that's the method that we want to focus on today. And that, a lot of that brings us to this reality of why it's important. Because 
Adolescents and children and young adults and people face far greater decisions and far greater consequences at times of their choices than whether or not you have to go three months looking like a, a potato that's got hair on it or, or looking like you're a mole creeping out of the ground because you're just a little round, chunky thing with a furry head. There are far greater circumstances than that, than I dealt with. And there's a reality to that that we can't just ignore, right? So there are decisions that adolescents are making that are being faced with now that are very, very important and life-changing, life-altering decisions that children are facing as early as four years old, right, in our, all over our society. And they're having to, to, to come to terms with what to do in those situations. And so it's dangerous at times um, for us to, to, to think about what these children go through because... In these moments, they're trying to assert their independence. They're trying to come up with all kinds of ideas, trying to figure out who they are, trying to, to connect to these truths. But the reality is, is it's also scary because if they don't have the right people in their lives leading them the way they should go, then they could very easily be led astray and, and can, can walk down some difficult paths that, are, that have far greater consequences than, than, than something trivial in our lives. And so it's important. But one of the biggest dangers in trying to, to, to guide someone through this is the, the dangers of letting them kind of make their own decisions, right? Because uh, they don't always make the best decisions. That's one of the problems when, when, you have, when you're dealing with young people and you're trying to train them in the way they should go. Um, if, if parents let their children and, and, and mentors and guides kind of just let uh, those that they're training make their own decisions, you end up with problems, <laughs> Because they don't necessarily know all the things that they need to know in order to, to do that, right? And so uh, when, you, when you try to guide them in the way they should go, you generally have a reason for why you're doing that because you know the dangers and you know the consequences that are coming as a result of making those poor choices. And so a lot of adolescents need more time to understand their choices' long-term effects. And as a result of that, they also need to recognize that they can be prone to peer pressure at times. And I think we are as adults too sometimes, right? We're, we're, we're prone to, to peer pressure and we're prone to, to giving in to what society tells us we have to do and think. And, and we need to have people in our lives that will challenge us and people that will hold us accountable and people that will help shine the light uh, as to where we need to go in our lives. And so that could be peers, that could be mentors, that could be parents, that could be guardians, that could be just, just guides in general that are helping us. And all of us can, can recognize the need for that and to see the benefits of that. And later we're going to look at some of the benefits and reasons why it's important to do that. And so in the book you will see a picture, I don't have it on the screen, but in the book you'll see a picture of some of the consequences of my actions uh, and you see a row, of, you see me standing with a bunch of my cousins, and I look just like a little, little chunky round thing with, with hardly any hair. Um, and that was, quite frankly, just an example of what happens when you let nine-year-olds make their own choices. Um, they don't make great choices. Um, and I only made that mistake one more time. When, I was, when Selena and I first got married, I decided I was going to test to see how much she loved me. Yeah. And so I... I buzz my head again, uh, and and so if she if she stayed if she stayed with me, then I would know that she would she would love me, um, and she stuck with me, and so then I knew the two most important women in my life just did not like it when I buzzed my hair, and so uh, I knew she was a keeper then, but uh, just some things aren't meant to be right, um, and so there's a danger sometimes in that 
Another danger of letting adolescents make their own choices at times without guiding them and, and them not being not having the, 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 the ability to have that safeguard in their lives is because most adolescents don't have the necessary experience or knowledge to make informed decisions, right? If somebody's trying to, to buy a car, or if somebody's trying to, to learn something, or they're trying to develop something, if they're walking into uh, something they've never experienced before, a life change, a situation, uh, to not have somebody around them to help guide them can be very dangerous for for people to go through, right? Uh, we talked in the first service about uh, if you have never purchased a vehicle before and you walk into a car dealership, car dealerships don't say, you know, if you don't know all the ins and outs of how financing work, if you don't understand that this could potentially be bad for you and that uh, all these things uh, might not necessarily be the best for you, uh, we recommend you go home, do some homework, study it, think about it, uh, kind of look at other options, make sure this is the best fit for you because we don't want you to to make an uninformed decision. We want you to understand uh, what you're doing. And so go home, take some time, no pressure. Uh, if you want to talk to some other car dealerships, get the best price. We just want what's best for you. Um, no car dealership ever does that, right? When you walk into the door, they're like, what can we do to get you in a vehicle today, right? And they put on the rich, right? And they will do everything they possibly can. They will spend it however they can. And they will show you all the bells and whistles that you can get. And they will, they will do everything. And all they want you to do is just sign on that line. And if they can make sure that it can at least initially be financed, they are ready to roll. And they are going to get you in that car and moving forward. But if you don't have, for something like that, somebody that has gone through that process that can help you, you could learn some tough lessons in doing that, right? Buying a house, uh, getting married, all kinds of things. These are not just issues that children deal with. These are issues that everybody deals with. What do you do in these moments? I think it's important to know that we are at every time in our lives, at any moment in our lives, being mentored or should be by someone uh, and also being able to encourage and guide someone else on their journey. That's just the way that we're, we're supposed to be. But when it comes to Connecting to these truths as parents, as leaders, as mentors, following the model of Deuteronomy 6 and thinking about this reality, we have an opportunity to train those that have come after us, our children, our nieces, our nephews, our friends, our students, whomever we have access to. You know, some of the greatest influences in my life uh, were from people that I, I wasn't related to, that I... Uh, just built a relationship with because I they saw me at church and they were they were kind to me and I, I looked up to them and they, they were able to guide me and help me and so there's so many ways that we can be an impact and a blessing to someone if we're just looking at it with the eyes that we need to look at and so this involves in-home learning this involves all kinds of factors but briefly before we or as we walk through this together I want to give you some practical truths about why it's not just important for us to live a life that honors the Lord, but why it's important for us to make sure that we are investing in the next generation, that we are investing in our friends, that we are investing in those that we are tasked with teaching and leading, that we're investing in our homes, that we are trying to, to do what we can to keep the process moving forward. Because if we don't pass it down, if we don't pass down the faith to those that are coming after us, then we present them with an obstacle that society will oftentimes overwhelm them uh, because of because they don't have the foundations they don't have the beliefs they don't have the 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 grounded realities in their lives that they need and so there's a struggle that times happens in our societies and 
And since this is a day where we look at a particular spectrum and a particular uh, group of people, dads, mentors, men, uh, we see in society the dangers of, of living in a world where, where people are not there, where dads are not active and engaged. And, and that's a tough reality, but we, we have to look at that from a constructive perspective. What can we do uh, to develop a culture uh, that allows for success and not uh, to let all the issues come in and overwhelm us of, of these realities. And so I just want to briefly give you five, I think, points of truth that, we, that, have, that have been verified through academic journals and studies in higher education that uh, these, these points of truth can connect us and help give us some practical reasons why we should do it. All right, so thinking about, as believers, training those who have come after us and continuing to do that, because you never stop doing that, I think it's important to look at, firstly, spiritual beliefs and practices. Spiritual beliefs and practices can contribute to the psychological well-being of individuals. This is something that we see in our society, that if somebody is grounded, if they have a foundation, if they have something that is built on an enduring uh, truth, like God's Word, that they will find themselves psychologically uh, at a greater level of well-being uh, than other individuals. doesn't mean that there aren't moments, uh, if you've experienced unhealthy avenues of that, that it can be difficult. But if you have experience and you connect to a true, lingering, uh, enduring relationship with God, that it produces for you uh, a greater level of psychological well-being. And that's a difficult issue in our world today. But according to the National Institute for Healthcare, uh, specifically children with religious involvement tend to exhibit more pro-social and less delinquent behavior. We talked last week about Robert Rakes and how he uh, connected the point that all these kids that were running around the streets in the 18th century needed somewhere to go because uh, what they were doing uh, out in the streets, doing whatever, uh, he didn't seem like that was going to be positive for them. And so he developed a path and a, and a program where he got all these teachers together and they began to, to meet on Sundays and they would teach the children. And so... Uh, that became what we know as Sunday school today. And so the whole aspect of formal teaching in church and in groups of believers in the home and in places of worship is a very important component because according to what research says, children who are involved in that develop um, more pro-social and less delinquent behavior. But this is important because it's not just about what happens here, as we've talked about. It's hap it means what happens everywhere, right? So like if we want to be an example to those that God has placed in our lives, it's not just about uh, bringing them here, but it's also about showing them everywhere we go and how we live our lives. And so uh, these moments are important because uh, we live in a society right now where um, delinquency is becoming more prevalent um, or at least more noticeable because of just how social media captures everything. And so just reading your Bible and coming to church isn't going to fix Everything, it has to be coupled with a genuine relationship with God. But there's enough evidence to say that if a child is involved in religious activity, when I say religious activity, it means activity that is aimed at focusing on God and drawing them closer in a relationship with the Lord. So that could be coming to church, uh, having a Bible study, going to uh, events uh, that are centered around that. They will begin to develop more pro-social behavior and less delinquent behavior. Also, according to the Journal for Marriage and Family. Shared religious activities and Bible study and prayer are positively associated with family satisfaction and cohesion, right? So families coming together 
and groups of people coming together that work as a family unit, coming together, doing Bible study, uh, and, and studying God's Word and praying together actually develop more uh, cohesion and, and a connectedness in their lives. More family satisfaction and more togetherness. And so the best thing for you to do, uh, if you want your circle of friends that serve as a family or your family or your house to, to connect in a greater way that honors the Lord, start having Bible studies and start praying together. And you will begin to see more cohesion and an overall satisfaction in the way that things are going. And so that, that, that dynamic is important because it connects to all these truths. We also see that uh, according to uh, the Journal of Psychology and Christianity, we see that religious beliefs and practices are associated with higher levels of emotional intelligence as well. But we live in a society where emotions are always, people are always being affected by things. And their emotions are, are so much uh, uh, where they're, they're not sure how to, how to process how they're feeling or what they're going through. And it's why, you know, Cognitive behavioral therapy is such a popular thing because it's, it's not so much uh, that, that clinicians are realizing that you need medicine to help people. It's that you might just need to help them learn how to think and process their emotions. And so you start giving them healthy ways of, of doing that. And so it all becomes, a, 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 you know, as your mind is processing things, your behaviors are changing and, and becoming more positive and more healthy. And so that's such a prominent way of, of helping people who go through these issues because they don't have the foundation and they don't have, haven't built their lives on these truths. And so some of that's going back and, and kind of remapping and rewiring those things and putting them on a, on a more firmer foundation. Well, the studies show that somebody who uh, connects to the truth of God and, and has a life that's built on Jesus and built on the truth of God's word, there are higher levels of emotional intelligence. And that's important because we live in a society that is full of people who, are, who don't know how to deal with what they're feeling. Don't know, and so they get angry, they get sad, they're up and down, they're, they're, they're dealing with depression, they're dealing with anxiety, they're dealing with all kinds of issues. And, and it's not as simple as just, well, you just need to trust God and love Jesus. I'm not, saying, I'm not saying that. I'm saying if we understand what our foundation should be built on, believers should approach those moments differently, Right? If you're, if you're a believer and you feel like you're dealing with anxiety, there's, a, there's, a, there's an approach to that that, that walks you uh, in a different path than, than somebody who is dealing with anxiety that doesn't have faith in Jesus. right? Somebody who's dealing with depression and struggling through that. There is a, there is a definite approach that believers have to walk through when it comes to that uh, because we should have uh, a different foundation than somebody who doesn't, doesn't have that. And so this is important for us to understand that these types of activities aren't just affecting us, but they will affect everyone around us. And lastly, we see that uh, the Journal of Educational Psychology said this, reading the Bible and participating in religious activities are positively associated with academic achievement. Now, this, is a, this is incredible because we live in a society now that says if you believe in God, you're ignorant. And if you believe in the universe, uh, then you're really the ones who have got it figured out, Right? And you believe in all these enlightenment and you believe in science and all this stuff that, that if, you, if you believe faith, if you have faith in God and you have faith in deity that you're, you're ignorant. Well, that's not according to the journals that are saying that if somebody actually builds their life on regular Bible study and, and participating in religious activities, that they actually have a, a higher level of academic achievement. And that's the way it's always been, though, right? When you look at the major advancements in our society and all in our world, it always comes by theologians or believers who are physicists or scientists who are taking their faith in God and they are processing the way that they view the world and they are making advancements that are helping society. That has always been the case. But somewhere it's shifted to where uh, if somebody has faith in God, it, it means that they, 
that they don't uh, they don't exceed, they don't excel in their field. They don't they don't become experts, and they don't, are people that can influence society. They're the they're the outcasts. They're the they're the crazy ones, and that's not the way that that it, that it was. It wasn't wasn't. It may have started with a bunch of uh, small sects of of Jewish believers that were uneducated and unlearned, but it began to overcome all of society as it began to infiltrate all over the world. And you began to see people who were affecting society because of their faith in God. And they were learning, they were growing, they were the experts in that. So how do we combat that? Here's how we combat that. We can't be the kind of believers that say, I don't want to grow, I don't want to learn, I don't want to know anything. All I need is Jesus, and all I need is, is, is just time with Him. I don't care about anything else. Anytime somebody tries to talk to me about learning or growing or reading a book, that's just pie-in-the-sky stuff, right? I just, I just want to be in, in God's presence. I just want to love Him, and that's all I want. Um, we miss out on those moments where God's called us not just to be a light, but to go into the world and shine the light, right? Can you imagine uh, being uh, in, a, in an operating room and knowing that the person who is operating on you also believes in Jesus and to know that they have gone through all the stages in the medical profession to know that not only are they able to help you, but they also put their faith in Jesus as well. Things like that. I'm not saying that we exclude ourselves from people who don't believe in that, but society was built to where we are supposed to go and infiltrate it. And so if this truth plays out, then what we should start seeing is a greater number of people in the world who put their faith in Jesus, who believe in regular Bible study and, and participating in religious activities, who are, who are getting a higher educational um, academic achievement. All that means that if the church and believers act the way that God wants them to act, if we recognize the need for us to, to pass this on to the next generation, then we will begin to see our homes, our families, our communities, our cities, the world around us begin to change drastically because of the, the, the purpose of us furthering the gospel and the purpose of us continuing to live for the Lord. That's what it's all about. And so to get it back to the very beginning, it's for the children. Why do we, why do we put our faith in God and why are we working so hard to... Uh, to live for her Lord. So that those that God has placed in our lives, we can train them and we can lead them in the way that they should go. That we can be an encouragement to them and that they can, they can grow into who God has called them to be. And we will begin to continue that cycle. So today is a day where we honor uh, fathers and, and men who have been influential and father figures to those uh, in their lives. And so we've got a little token, uh, just a little, it's like a little flashlight. It's like a clip flashlight you can put in your pocket. Um, and it has a little verse on it and says, John 1, 5, light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. One of the things we believe strongly in our society uh, is that we need people who will shine and light the way for truth. We need people who will stand up for truth and lead their families, lead their homes, lead their friends. So it doesn't matter if you're a student and you have peers and people around you because that's one of the things that have shifted in our society and the millennials have helped with that to where they take a great deal of, of comfort in gaining uh, advice from their peers. And so they don't necessarily look to someone who's older than them, uh, but they kind of just uh, let their peers tell them uh, how they should feel and they get advice from them. That, that can be comforting because everybody's in the same stage of life, but it also can be dangerous because you're both ignorant, <laughs> right? And so if you just take advice from the people that are in the same stage of life than you, uh, then you're not getting the benefit of somebody who said, hey, you know, I tried that. 
And these are some dangers you ought to, you ought to be prepared for. And these are some ways you can navigate uh, this challenge. Uh, and so, no matter what stage you're in, you can find yourself connected this way. No matter how you do it, you can find yourself connected uh, in this way. And so it's important to know that as we look at these truths, I believe God's calling some people uh, to be willing to, to continue to light the way and to shine the way. And so we're going to give all of the men in the, in the, the house today uh, these little flashlights as a token of our appreciation to you because we want you to, to do that. Now, I will tell you this, most guys... People in general probably like puzzles and things like that, but most guys like to put things together. You, you, they work with their hands a lot, so there's no batteries in the flashlight. So you got to go and find some batteries, put the batteries in correctly, and, and get the flashlight to work. Um, that's your objective, guys, so you can accomplish something today. Um, go and get some batteries, put them in there the right way, and then you can shine, right? And so we want you to do that today as you leave here. Grab one of the flashlights. If you want a couple, you can grab a couple. Um, but we want you to think about what it means for us to stand for truth and for us to lead our homes and our families and, and our, to be leaders in our communities, to be changers uh, and changing agents in our, in our schools, in our, in, our, in our jobs, everywhere we go. And so we want to encourage and honor uh, those today who are doing that and hopefully uh, push those who are going to have an opportunity to do that at some point. Because you may not feel like that you're a mentor. You may not feel like that you're somebody that's a person of influence today. You may, feel like, you may not feel like you're somebody who people look up to. Well, you will one day be that. And I think people look up to you more than you think, even today. And so knowing that you have an opportunity to, to let your light shine so that others can see what you do and praise the Father in heaven is an important component for all of us, right? And so even though the men are going to be getting flashlights, it doesn't matter who is here today, male, female, mom, dad, everyone. We all have an opportunity to do that. And that's a powerful reality for us today. And so I want us to think about that as we ponder here. And as you leave, we want you to take one of those flashlights with you. Uh, and we want you to be mindful of that truth. But I want to pray with you today. Because the greatest act of love that was ever shown to us is when... God the Father sent His Son to come and to become flesh, to become God in the flesh, to dwell among us so that He could lay down His life for us. Right, I wore this shirt as his best dad ever. It's not because I think I'm the best dad ever. Uh, one of our members bought this for me last year. Um, I believe that when the Bible says that for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that we could always, forever as believers, recognize that the greatest dad in the world is the creator of the universe, right? And although we honor those in our lives who have been like fathers to us and those who have been mentors to us, all of us as believers can collectively connect to the fact that our Heavenly Father loved us so much that He, died on, that he sent His Son to die on the cross for us so that we could be free, so we could be renewed and redeemed back to relationship with Him. And so I want to pray with you today as we think about these truths, and I want us to pray together and recognizing our Heavenly Father has provided for us and that He continues to move in our lives, He continues to work in our lives. And so can we pray together today? Father, we thank You, Lord, for the privilege to be able to connect to You. Lord, we know that You have given us an opportunity to, to train those who have... Uh, we've been given an opportunity to, Lord, whether it's peers, grandkids, children, Lord, friends, nieces, nephews, Lord, Everyone has an opportunity to pass on these truths to the next person. And Lord, you've given us that commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel, making disciples. 
Lord, you've called us to put it on our doorpost and let it be before our eyes all the time, God. And so, Lord, I pray today as we think about this that we would not grow weary today of trusting you, that we would not grow weary in believing what you've called us to do, God, that we would not lose sight in the truth that you've given us, God, that we would not forget your word and that we would not neglect to do what you've called us to do. So, Lord, we thank you for showing us such incredible love. We thank you for giving us uh, such a, a profound opportunity to recognize your gift today. And such a profound opportunity to reflect on these truths today. And so, Lord, we thank you for these gifts, the gifts of God for the people of God. And we thank you that on the night before Jesus was betrayed, that he broke bread and he told his disciples to take and to eat and that this was his body and that they should do this in remembrance of him. Lord, we do this in remembrance of you. We honor you today. And we thank you today for this blessing. And so we recognize as our Heavenly Father, as our Lord and God, that you have made it possible for us today to be sustained by this truth. And so together, Lord, we proclaim that you are our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. We love you, Lord. We thank you for all that you do for us. May you be glorified today. And Lord, may you be present today in the breaking of our bread as you were the night you broke it with your disciples. May you come and empower us to continue to do your work. And may you continue to fill us with your spirit. And this mystery today that we embark on, Lord, of your presence among us, may you continue to make yourself real in our lives. And may you continue to be present in everything we say and do. We thank you today for this privilege and we thank you for this opportunity to come down to this table. May you be glorified today in everything that's said and done. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Would you come? Thank you, brother. Hey, thank you for watching today's podcast. We hope that you will continue to join us and subscribe. Remember, we're just real people trying to show real love from a real God. And everything that you do to help with that uh, brings glory to God. So thank you, guys. Take care.